Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. Spireinstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reed. All this travel and playing and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Welcome into the Net Live right now, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Barnett on the mic, along with DJ Jeremy Roche and his Aqua G-Shock. You like that, don't you? That's, I like that. It's flashy. I yep. like odd-colored watches. I like odd-colored shoes. I roll. I'm in with all that. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Wednesday, special Wednesday program due to scheduling circumstances, which included Labor Day. We'll get to some of the Labor Day activities for the TNL crew in just a moment. But we will be getting back to Mondays, I assure you. We'll be headed back to Mondays quite soon. We're getting back to that regular schedule. Part part of that includes kids going back to school. I think my kids are uh, skipping first semester, maybe going back for winter or something. They don't even start till next Monday. When I walked in today and saw them, I was like, are they sick? What, uh, why are they still here? Yeah, they are still here, but I am still getting work done, and we have still planned an incredible show for you today, one of the best in a while. We have three great guests coming on. You want to hear from the people that are making moves in the world of volleyball? We have them for you. Donald Sun, AVP owner, is going to be joining us in about 30 minutes to talk about this past weekend, Cincinnati. And the return of the AVP, first time in two years that they have really held an event. I know there was the one in Huntington in front of the hotel and whatever else, but it wasn't a true big-time, full-on tournament with a field and a qualification and the whole deal. So we'll talk to Donaldson about that weekend. We'll talk to him about the upcoming weekend. It's going to be Santa Barbara this week, the second of what will be two AVP events for 2012. We'll also talk to Brooke Niles, that is Brooke Hansen. now back to Brooke Niles, beach player, woman who participated in the event this past weekend. We'll get the player's perspective on that and talk to Brooke about her recent partner switch. She went away from the litigator or the hammer. The You haven't come up with one that's just going to stick yet, have you? The litigator always comes to that's mind. a good one. But there's, I don't know, the gavel. The gavel. The gavel always makes me think of Lauren Fender. But 
the Fendrick Hansen Partnership No More and the Hansen No More for Brooke Dials. We will talk to her. And we'll finish up with Lindsey Berg. Lindsey Berg, who finished up her career with two silver medals. That's pretty darn good. It's not shabby. For the women's national team, played three Olympic games. She's on to what will be an interesting second life. And we have talked to her before the Olympics. We will now talk to her post-Olympics and wrap up what was, I think, a great performance for the women. Yes, they didn't win the gold medal, but boy, they played some great volleyball all the way through. We will talk to Lindsey Berg about that tournament, about that team, and of course, about that gold medal match and her future. Jeremy, Davy P was back. It was. From uh, everything that I've heard and read, it was a uh, very well-run, well-attended event. It looked cool. I think they had taken from Horse Gods Parade. I think they had taken from the Olympic venue as far as their staging uh, right there in Cincy. Some sweet pictures of center court. Yeah, the backdrop they had, they uh, were like in downtown Cincinnati. Um, right in front of like City Hall, they had a couple courts. They had a survival court, from what I could tell. They had it spray-painted on a brick building right next to it that said, Survive in Advance. Because if you were on that court, you needed to win to keep going and make it into uh, Santa Barbara this weekend. You had to finish ninth or better in Cincinnati to make it to the AVP event this weekend in Santa Barbara. And it uh, all the photos I saw looked great. You know, all the players were happy that it was a well-run event, and that the AVP uh, from everybody is like, oh, the AVP is back, That's all I kept hearing. The AVP is back. What does that mean exactly? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, it's back because it's yes, putting they, on events, of they, course. They held an event, yes. Yes, they're back. I mean, uh, are they what they were five years ago? No, but I don't think – I don't. I, I hope people don't – when they're saying the AVP is back, I hope they're not saying like – it's back like it was in 2005. Yeah, is it back like it was two years ago? Is it back in name only? Prize money, 87500 How does that compare to the last event? Long Beach. You mean their Huntington event last year? No, I'm talking about Long Beach back in 2010. Oh, when they... Uh, I think the pri- that prize money is pretty decent. Um Overall, it was like over a two hundred thousand dollar combined purse, right? Was the impression I was under? The way I've seen it here is it's eighty seven thousand five hundred per gender, winners, right? Which would be one sixty or whatever, whatever it comes out to. And I believe the winner split twenty grand. So that's real money if you win. Yeah. Sean and John won. Yeah. Lots of talk. Again, lots of talk, especially from you. Well, let's talk about that because Sean and John win. And everybody was talking about, oh, Sean and John don't play FIVB. They don't do this. They're not the best team. Well, boys and girls, Sean and John defeated Phil Dahlhauser and Todd Rogers 15-20 and 20 in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Then defeated Furbringer and Lucena 17-16 and 16 in the final. Mm-hmm. I would say... They've proven that they could have represented the United States in the Olympics. But they had a possibility, had there been trials, they had the potential to defeat those teams. Not saying it would have happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. They had the potential. 
They went through Keenan and Mayer, 15 and 14. They defeated The Rat and Ryan Mariano, 12 and 18. They took it to Avatar and Casey Patterson last week in Manhattan. Who haven't they beaten? Well, they, they didn't see Gibbon Rosenthal, right? No. Because Gibbon Rosenthal lost to Keenan and Mayer, also a non-Olympic team. Correct. So what you're saying is that Sean and John should have been in the Olympics. By the Associative Property of Volleyball, <laughs> they could have represented the United States in the Olympics. Sean and John are one of the best teams, one of the best U.S. teams for sure. And have been. Of course. Not just the last two weeks. They are the only team that were making it to the finals against Phil and Todd and actually winning. On a, right. I wouldn't say consistent basis, but more than anybody else. More than twice. Yeah. I think they won beat them four times in uh, 2009. So I was thinking about the whole trials issue. Mm-hmm. We've detailed in the show before that it's coming. Listen, it's going to happen. Yeah. It should happen. It should have happened, I think is what this tells us. It should have happened. But I was thinking about the FIVB requirement that everyone is so keen on. Oh, you must have FIVB points. You have to have played FIVB because you haven't seen those opponents. Is that what I sound like when I say that? Well, sort of. (laughs) Kind of sound like Bodie. (laughs) People went down. Like Keanu Reeves. Nice. People died, Bodie. But... Listen, I don't. I think the FIVB requirement is a way to have the haves continue con- to control and keep the have-nots out. Because playing FIVB isn't about being the best volleyball player only. Playing FIVB is about having a bunch of points left over so you don't have to go through the country quotas. And also having the dollars to go to these events, having the sponsors or the prize money previously won to pay in order to attend these events. And I think that's where you're starting to freeze people out. How's a kid coming out of college going to be able to pay to travel the FIVB? There's no sponsors to be had. There's no way to increase your stock in school and have sponsors, even on the women's side, which actually has sand volleyball. It just can't happen. How did the players who are doing it now, how did they start? They've been hanging around for years. They were making that money off the a- AVP. They were able to kind right, of take yeah, a couple of events. You know, right. any one of the people that have been there have been playing five plus years. Yeah, they have the points, so they only go over, and they have the hotel from the FIVB, and they have all their expenses. They just owe an airline ticket, basically, right? Yeah, because and they are in the event because they have the points. So they're basically freezing out anybody else out of the trials process who does not have the financial capability to make it overseas. And make it on the FIVB. Now, it may be different four years down the line. Teams will make choices to play. Who knows what the landscape will actually look like. But I don't think you can go excluding everybody based on the fact they don't play FIVB. If you are the best team, if you are able to defeat the best teams here in the United States and win the trials process, whatever that looks like, then you go. And that's a great story. And don't tell me, oh, well, they don't have any chance. No, if they beat your best teams, they have a chance. And quite frankly, what we did this past time on the men's side, that didn't work out too well. This time. This time. I bet if you talked to Sean and John and gave them some truth serum, they would not necessarily want to play internationally all the time, but they would want to play some of that competition if 
they're going to end up going to the Olympics. They would want to play those teams. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. That's why I think there needs to be some type of international requirement, how you play. I don't know how many – I don't know what it would be, like how many events they have to play internationally if they're going to – for the trials process because you just – I mean, it, it is a different game so from what I hear a little bit internationally, different ball for that matter as well. Sure. Um and I'm not saying like they have to be full time overseas, but I just I, I I will keep saying and not in that weird voice that you had earlier that there needs to be some <laughs> type of international component to the trials to be involved in the trials. You don't have a Johnny Utah voice? Come on, I'm you know sure, Johnny I'm Utah. Sure I do, but uh, you're not going to get it today. I caught my first tube <laughs> this morning. Uh, he's not a good actor. No. He's a well well used actor. Necessarily yeah, good for good him. Actor. Good for him. Good for him. Yep. All right, so we continue to take the stand that I think trials are required. I don't think the FIVB requirement should be all that onerous. You probably think it ought to be a little bit bigger than I think it ought to be. Let the powers that be sort it out, and the players should continue to do what they're really good at, playing and complaining. Speaking of complaining, we saw quite a bit of action from the players on Twitter, on Facebook, on other social media outlets, blogs, about this event, both before, during, and after. What was the the, the gist of what you were getting there, Jeremy, from all the There was some complaining about um, Carrie and Nicole got added to the tournament after the posted date of when you had to sign up for the event by. So when they let them into the tournament, it bumped other people down mm-hmm. because of their points. Mm-hmm. And the people who are on the bubble who are in the main draw, I'm sure a couple of them got bumped down to the qualifier. So you basically had to play a tournament to get into the tournament. So I understand people's frustration. Um, my, It's tough because if Carrie wants to play in your tournament, you need to let her play in your tournament. Agreed. Whether it's fair or not is – I mean, no, it's not fair if she signed up or asked to be included in the tournament after the deadline. Yeah, why but is that? Fair, but fair is not I, – I don't know. I don't know the answer to why it was – why they decided to, at last minute. Couldn't file the paperwork on time? Sundance run around too much? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on both points there. I Come on, Carrie, sign up on time, please. So there isn't additional controversy to go with the already – it could, I mean, uh, maybe it was a sponsor thing, too. Volleyball. She's sponsored by Wilson. Maybe Wilson really wanted her there. I don't know. Maybe. We don't know the circumstances surrounding that. Obviously, if Carrie says she wants to play in your tournament, you put her in your tournament. If you're running a brand, you make room for Carrie in your tournament. I have no argument with that whatsoever. It's like if Tiger Woods wants to play in your golf tournament. Yeah. You Some, let him in. Somebody else gets bumped. Dear number 32, I'm sorry you are not number one. Yeah. Um I think it was a little unfair to say the AVP is doing the same things that it did in the past, but carry playing domestically is good for the sport. Yeah, and there's a lot of controversy about how they rated players and how they did their rankings. I don't but, know. How, how do you do that now with all 36 tours out there and everybody playing on a different tour? I played domestically all year long. I've won five tournaments. But you played internationally and won five tournaments, so who's better? Who gets a higher ranking? Right. It's tough. It is tough. And and kudos to the AVP for putting all the work behind it. I saw a lot of tweets out there trying to defend people that put a lot of work into making this tournament happen. And I think that's valid. I think here's a guy in Donald's son that has purchased the tour 
put up money and shown some faith in the sport to start his own tour. And let's give him credit for that. Let's give him credit for being a part of the sport that way. At the same time, players are good at complaining. Well, and no, how can everybody be happy? Not everybody's going to be happy. I don't you care. Can. I don't care what you do. There's going to be little things that annoy you. The bottom line is there was a, another tournament for these players to play in that somebody was going to pay you to play in. Well, that's been my message to to the organizational powers that be, whether it be USA Volleyball, IMG, the AVP, the NVL, and Albert, whoever it may be. You can listen to the players, hear what they have to say, and then go off and do what you think is right. Don't do what the players tell you to do just blindly. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. They think they do. I thought I did. They don't, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They're players. They're not business people. And it's obvious by many of them not having sponsors. Okay? They're business people. They'd have sponsors. If they were business people, they'd probably choose a different career that made more money instead of scrapping over uh, the limited amount of beach volleyball dollars that are out there. I know there's a bunch of love for the sport, and I love to play. And all. Yes, fine. If you're unhappy, go somewhere else. Players are good at complaining. Players are good at playing. They're not real good at coming up with solutions and implementing them. That's the job of the business people, and I think while they ought to Pull the players, listen to concerns, evaluate those concerns and how they fit with the business plan. At the end of the day, it's their money. It's their decisions. Yeah. And we we will debate them here on the show. We'll talk about some of those decisions here on the show, good, bad, and different. We're going to have Donald on here to talk about how some of those decisions were made. But I like the fact that people are going a direction and trying to change the sport. And I've said this since 2010 that – Beach volleyball started over again. Like it oh, was, yeah. it was gone. Like there was no, nobody knew if there was going to be a tour until the very beginning of uh, 2011 when Albert announced that he was going to do the NVL. He was the first one to say it. And I mean, beach volleyball started over. And I don't know. I I, I find it interesting that players ex- the expectations that they are looking for for each of these tournaments to be what they were in the past or the quote-unquote heydays. It's, it's not going to be there yet. 2010 wasn't that long ago. Old school volleyball on, on Facebook needs to just calm down. Are they freaking out? Well, they just think that the sport's going back to their, their favorite photos from 1991. <laughs> it's just not, guys. It's a different world right now, too. Sport, it just period, not just in sports, but just in general. It was more than 20 years ago. 91 was more than 20 years ago. I take no joy in that, by the way. I'm not old enough for you to say things like that to me. But, you know, I admire the passion. I admire your your love. And, uh, oh, we love it. You don't love it. No, stop. You just need a, a, a realist voice to talk about this sport, whether your name is Stoklos or Lagana or some of these other guys that are very active on there, very passionate, very much a part of the history of the game, the, the history of the, the building of beach volleyball. All that's great. It was great. It was a mad party. It was 20 years ago. And the sports landscape is wildly different 20 years on. And sponsorship money is less now than it was 20 years ago. People don't activate their brands the same way they did 20 years ago. Absolutely. There's a little thing called the Internet (laughs) that has come along and taken up a lot of that stuff that advertisers used to do at events to activate their brand. Because now, pretty much, there's an event every day. It's called the Internet. Yeah. 
They don't need your event on the beach 10 times a year or whatever. They can, they can accomplish that in one day. So it's a little bit different world. Not saying it can't be navigated and the sport can't find its, its level, but it's going to have to find its level. And I can assure you its level is not those pictures, at least not right now. How did this sport make money then? It didn't. Exactly. Newsflash. Exactly. Never in the black. <laughs> never. And don't tell me, oh, they just spent forward because there was this money. That... No, you never saved any money. No. And, and Jeremy, I thought you put up a good good question this week talking with us was how much of the promotion of the sport rests with the players? That's a question I've been having uh, discussions with Nicole about lately. Like, what is how much responsibility is with the players to pump up the sport? Not even necessarily a specific tour, just the sport in general. Like, where does it lie for them to be out there talking about it, promoting it, getting people that they know or friends of friends or friends of friends' friends out to events? Building their own brands. Yeah. Being a part of putting people in the stands. Yeah. Yeah, good question. We talked before about how much of the failure of beach volleyball falls on the historic players. Yep. How much of the failure of beach volleyball in the last couple of years lands with the players, lands with Carrie, Nicole, Misty, Phil, Todd, Sean, John, Sean, Rosenthal, that is. (laughs) How much of that rests on them? I think it's a longer discussion. I don't know that I have an answer right off the bat. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think just like anything, like with myself, I have to build my own brand as a DJ. And if in a sport where you are reliant on your own personal sponsors, you need to build your own brand as well. Because none of these tours are really necessarily doing it for you individually. Um, the AVP had put up a lot of stuff individually, and VL has kind of promoted some of the players individually. And that was something I was, when I first started on tour, I was curious how they kept promoting Karch, who was already in his 40s. And I was like, Karch could retire at any moment, and nobody knows, unless you're in the volleyball world, nobody knows any of the other players. Um, and yeah, Karch considered the Michael Jordan of beach volleyball, and you want people to know that he's still playing and out there, but what about when he's gone? Huh, like you know, now. Like, yeah. Like, you know, when Michael Jordan was in the NBA, it was all about him. And then after he left, there was a little bit of a lull. A little he, bit? Yeah. Like five to eight years. Yeah. For the NBA, which is a marketing juggernaut. Exactly. Not beach volleyball. Yeah. Sorry, not the NBA, folks. And granted, NBA, uh, NBA. volleyball is different because NBA and NFL, you can promote teams. It's hard to do that in beach volleyball when... There's no helmets. Or also, like... You and I could be a team one week, and then I would dump you for Reed the next week. So how do you how do we promote us as a team? Two smalls is not going to win. First of all, is Reed going to be the full time blocker? You can't jump, so I'm going to need. I you. can still block better than you. And I well, me yes, because I'm short, but I still I can get my little paws up there and give a stuff down. Are you going to wear the little skids on your hands and your thumbs, and then wear some? Uh, First of all, sand socks. No idea what you're talking about. And speaking <laughs> of sand socks, I saw a photo of Furby in uh, Cincinnati, and he had sand socks on, and I meant to text him and ask him about that. Man, it's hot out there. I, I fault no one for wearing sand socks. I, if I was playing beach, I would wear sand socks a lot. The only time I've ever seen... I have delicate feet. 
guys wear sand socks on the beach was when we were in uh, Lake Tahoe and it was snowing. Yeah, because then your feet are freezing. That's the only time I've seen it. Not, I mean, and I've been in places in Sacramento where it was like 110, 120 on the sand, and guys weren't wearing sand socks. That's because you haven't seen me play. I would have gone. Well, sand you're socks. an indoor guy. I, I might have no, gone knee pads. You have no tan knee pads. That would be awesome. <laughs> I think the AVP was trying to get away from Karch a little bit when they had the Karch Lambert combination, trying to pump up Lambert, trying to pump up the Steino Lambert. I believe that was before Karch Lambert. Is that right? Correct. Correct. They were trying to get to that that space and get away from Karch Lambert. Leonard's no idiot, obviously, with the success that Leonard has had. Leonard Armato, former owner of the ABP, twice former owner of the ABP. Uh, I think that it's tough. It's tough to establish another player. And you saw that even with the NBA, when those seminal players, Johnson, Bird, Jordan, Ewing, when all those guys were gone, it was very tough for the NBA to recapture that new group of guys. And you saw a bunch go through there. Hardaway, as in Penny. Yep. Harold Miner for about a split second. Uh, I'd have to think of a few more was he names. Baby Jordan? Era. Was he the one they called Baby, Baby Jordan? Jordan? Yeah. 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 Baby Jordan used to come into the Cheesecake Factory when I worked there. Nice. When you're wearing knee pads and sand socks? Uh-huh. Elijah Wan. I mean, as great as Elijah Wan was, he never captured people's attention the way that those other guys did. Well, he also got spoiled, spoiled with Jordan. Well, and Bird Magic. Of course. I mean, that was, yeah, you were spoiled. Mm-hmm. But then it took a while to come around to the Wade, LeBron. Yeah. I hate to put Carmelo Noma in that list, but he's always he always is. Uh, Chris Paul, CP3. I mean, there's there's at this point a dozen names. The NBA obviously has grown from be, having three marquees to about twelve. But there's a whole group of guys that you identify with the league itself. Yeah where that's how Jordan was identified, and that's how Karch was identified, was with the beach itself, the AVP itself. Yeah. That was, if you said Karch, you said AVP, basically, yeah. by, by saying one or the other. And what you don't have now. No, you don't. Well, you do on the women's side. You say beach volleyball or Olympics you with Carrie Misty. Misty. Yeah. Right. You have nothing on the men's side. All respect to Phil and Todd for their abilities to play, not for their abilities to promote. It's one thing to be a great player. It's another thing to be... A brand. Well, Those guys are not a brand because bland is not a brand. True, but if they would have won a medal this Olympics, they would have doubled up. It would have helped. Don't give me your pouty face. No, I, it would have helped, no. You don't think so? No. Not as far as branding. For them, personally? Yeah. Huh. Because they're boring. True. I have no beef with Phil or Todd. No, we can say they're boring. They, they, they would have to say boring. They, they know they're boring to watch, right? Boring. On the court and off the court. Boring. I don't know Todd that well. I know Phil. I don't know Phil that well either, but having spent a few off-beach moments with him, he's a very thoughtful, intelligent, actually somewhat talkative guy off Phil? the beach. Yeah. Yeah. But in like a private setting. But he's just that's just not his personality. He's not going to be... He's not going to be out there antics. Like if he just – if he stuffed somebody one time and just looked them in the face and maybe just yelled at them just one time. Right. 
just maybe tell the player beforehand, I'm, I'm going to do this to you. I apologize. Call the shot. Just let him. Yeah, I'm going to absolutely throw it back in your face and scream as loud as I can. The fans would go nuts. No, they wouldn't even know what to do first. Then they would go nuts. Yes, there would be a moment of silence and shock and awe. You know what? You're right because I would fans. usually do a sound effect, but I would be in shock and awe of what he just did, and then it would be I don't know what I would do after. They that. might even shut Romo up. He might even be quiet if because we would all just that. we would all just look at each other and be like, I don't know who that is out there. But how awesome would that be? Think about Phil and Todd's appearance after the Olympics last time on the Today Show. One of the most painful things. I've watched in a while. Their interview or what they were wearing as opposed to appearance? No, no, not this time. Last time. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Not, uh, I don't remember. No, interview-wise. It was just bland. I don't and, remember And it. believe me, the, the media types figure this out. They not only want you to be excellent in your sport, they want you to be entertaining. When you're on something, be entertaining. Carrie and Misty are bubbly and this and that. Misty's a little more focused and professional. She's fun. Love, love Misty. With an interviewer, she's fun to yeah. have on an interview. Carrie, same thing. She's fun to mm-hmm. have on an interview. She smiles a lot. She's engaging. These guys don't even smile hardly. Phil looks like like he got up and he was up for the last 10 minutes, and that was it. He rolled out of bed 10 minutes ago, and he hasn't had coffee. Now I'm on the Today Show. And yeah, he's on the Today <laughs> Show. I mean, Just not their personalities. No, it's not, and, and that's fine. That's fine, yeah. because they're great at what they do. They're great players oh if you know the sport of beach volleyball and you watch them play that's how you would teach somebody how to play beach volleyball right but it's not enough for sure in today's environment for the sport it's not enough uh it's not not doing the sport any favors and phil and todd are doing fine coaching wise prize money wise all that stuff but they don't owe it to the sport no but it's unfortunate for the sport that that's not part of their personality that's not part of their partnership and their uh, brand of volleyball. Yeah. When you get to be a professional athlete in your sport, it's also entertainment because people, they may pay, pay to come see you in college, but it's a different thing than paying to see, than me going to see like a Raiders game or a Dodgers game. You want to be entertained besides yeah. just a good baseball game. Are you not entertained? Exactly. Give me a little gladiator, you know? All right, so more on that. I'm sure we'll get back to that at some point. Let's take a break. We're going to come back to the rat. We got to we got to mention what the rat said, but we'll we'll talk about that. We'll get there. Glazed over that. That was a good one. And Geeter has a new job. We'll he detail does. Tell that for you. No, yeah, we posted it on uh, the Facebook page recently. We'll detail that for you. Geeter has a new position, which means he doesn't have this position. Huh. But he'll be back at some point. The Net Live on a Wednesday. We appreciate you being here. Much more to come. The College Volleyball Weekly. Donald Sun, Brooke Niles, and Lindsey Berg in a packed show. It's Kevin and Jeremy. You don't have to find the best college coaches. They find you at Spire Institute. Spire's postgraduate volleyball academy wants athletes. Spire delivers customized volleyball training and competition led by head coach John Hawks. Athletic development with Michael Johnson performance and educational options, all in Olympic-grade facilities. There is no better way to impress college coaches and increase scholarship opportunities. Spire Institute, postgraduate men's and women's programs in multiple sports. It's not taking a year off, it's adding a year to your future. Sign up today at spireinstitute.org.
Welcome back into the Net Live here on Wednesday. If you want to interact with us during the week, not just on Mondays or Wednesdays, whenever we're doing these shows, email us, thenetlive at gmail.com, or interact with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thenetlive, and twitter.com slash thenetlive. We will get your messages and perhaps even respond. In a kind way. Uh, mostly ish. in a kind way. Kind ish. Depends on who gets your email. Exactly. Me, read. You, I wouldn't see Geeter. He, he won't get your email. No. He barely gets his own email. Doesn't know how to get online. He has a BlackBerry from Whoa. 2002. Yeah, that one was from 2003. Good for you. I'll fight you. <laughs> Let's welcome in our first guest. This man's the new owner, the new boss, the new man in charge of a historic brand in the sport. He bought it about, what, a year ago? Maybe a little so. less. Maybe nine months. Purchased the brand, and he's about to bring it back. He brought it back in Cincy this past week. He'll have it in Santa Barbara this next weekend. If you're up in the Santa Barbara area and you want to check out some beach volleyball, should be a great event. Kind of an all-star event. Should be a lot of fun. And we're pl- pleased that he has chosen to join us once again in this busy couple of weeks, I am sure. Welcome back to the Net Live once again, Donald Sun. Donald. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking in with us. We know this must be an incredibly busy time. Tell us about this past weekend, some of your successes with uh, event number one in Cincinnati. Oh man, the uh, the crowds were amazing. It was electric. It was awesome. That was the the biggest worry I think I had going into it. Um, I didn't know if people were going to show up, but um, once I got there, I, I remember walking to uh, Washington Park with my buddy and uh, when I first landed and uh, my heart was thumping and I had the uh, lump in my throat and then once I got in there I was like wow man this is a reality this is cool this is the AVP and um, people showed up in, in flocks on uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday for uh, for the whole thing so it was, a, it was a unique event it was very urban <laughs> to say the least um, and it was totally cool for the first one so I'm excited Okay, so it must be like having a child, like for the very first time, you get an opportunity to see that kid and see what it looks like and and how it functions. And thank, you, didn't cry too much for you, but <laughs> minus the physical childbirth, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cool, man. It was um, it's it just great to see, you know, the players are they were having fun, they were they were really, you know, they had good things to say, and they were very, uh, they felt very fortunate, and I, I, you know, I really did appreciate that. Um, and then, and then having fans come up to me and 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 say thank you and yeah, it was uh, it was cool, man. It was really cool. So if the fans were there, what did you do? You think that was successful in getting butts in the seats? You know, we we did it. Our local promoter over there did a really good job at marketing it, and, um, and we even got on the, you know the local news, um, and we got in their papers. And uh, the Cincinnati is is a place where you know. They, they, there's a there's a lot of beach volleyball or, or they call sand volleyball fans there, and um, and they came out in droves, man. So I think that was a, that was a great formula for success. Plus the fact that we had, you know, uh, not only the best talent out there in the world, I would say, arguably, you know, that that doesn't hurt. Well, yeah, having Carrie out there with Nicole, having and yeah, Ross, Kessie, you know. Furbringer, Lucena, Rogers. I mean, you name it, man. They were there. But 
the big challenges, the venue, the player rankings, the officials, the logistics of putting it all on very first time and, and putting together a team that could do that? Uh, you mean what's the most challenging besides all of them? <laughs> I would say, I would say, uh, you know what? Every one of them was a, a challenge in its, in its own right um, from trying to get the players on board to, you know, figure out the the rankings and and uh, uh, logistics in terms of you know trying to. Get, I remember, I think we weren't even ready. The 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 well, but we started on Friday and uh, by Thursday evening we weren't ready yet. <laughs> so logistically it was a it was it was quite challenging, but <clears throat> we managed to pull it through. I think on when we did our live stream it was a little bit choppy in the beginning, but we got that settled. So our second time around this time in Santa Barbara should go off without too much of a too much of a hitch. We'll see. What are the exact improvements you're expecting to make between last weekend and this next weekend? So I think the biggest one is the fact that um, in Cincinnati we we you know we, we were collaborating with our uh, promoter there and um, you know we they had uh, you know a lot of the uh, the the hands-on and we were there to consult but you know there were some uh i think there were some some difficulties and challenges but we that were met obviously but but this time around um it's all us so our team is already over there uh they've been there since monday i had a status report with them yesterday they said everything is on target everything is uh, in fact um probably a little bit uh uh on better pace than what we thought who is your team that's going to be bringing this event together, and how did you find them? Uh, you probably know these guys. Uh, you've got Tyler Beidel, who's uh, our ops guy. You got Dave Culpepper under him. We have uh, we have Hans Stolfus that I'm sure you guys know. He's out there. Uh, Josh Glazebrook, which I'm sure you know too. He's doing the media and everything else. Um, we've got uh, uh, let's see, we've got a guy Reed Tomasi who's doing the the, the guerrilla marketing. Um, we've got, you know, that's, that's about it. That's, that's our, that's our little, uh, Navy SEALs team. (laughs) That's doing everything. Sorry? I I just said volleyball team six. Volleyball team six. There we go. I like that. I'm going to coin that term for them. Ranking coming uh, a little bit. People were complaining that it's the ranking basically a couple of Hello? Talking earlier. Sorry, uh, you're you kinda of breaking up. I was asking about the, the player rankings. The, oh, the player ranking? Yeah, we've had to do a few it was, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but we've uh we've come up with something that um I think is is uh a little bit different, but unique, and uh, hopefully it it uh, it makes a little more sense. You know, I can't honestly. We, we've we've been going back and forth. I've been I've been racking my brain as well, trying to you know appease as as many as possible. But at the end of the day, we're going with our gut, and we're going with other people's uh, our input, and uh, coming up with something that um, should should make sense. What about Carrie getting into the tournament late? We heard she registered late and was still allowed into the tournament. Is there truth to that, and how did that decision get made? 
yeah, uh, the decision is that she wanted to play at the time that she was she when we talked to her she was uh she was on her way to finland but uh you know i i uh i honestly was radio silence for about a week cuz i was in uh, i was i was taking a family vacation in lake powell so a lot of this stuff went down uh, while i was out but um if if you're a three-time gold medalist um you need to figure out from a business standpoint, you know, how to accommodate and and figure out okay, what's the what's the best thing to do? Um, yeah, it's not it's not a comfortable situation, but but we've managed to deal with it. Now, Donald, is this your full time occupation at this point? Or are you still holding down some of the Kingston Technologies? <laughs> it's full time, man. <laughs> this is all I got. So give me the plan then for 2013. We know about this weekend. We know Santa Barbara's coming up. That'll be the second of two events. 2013 planning, like you must already be into that. Yeah, the the 2013 plans is basically to come up with uh, four to six tournaments. Um, Senator, uh, we'd like to start establishing what we call the majors. Um, you know, pillars of of like these uh, cornerstone tor- tournaments much like golf and, and tennis where, you know, other tournaments kind of revolve around it, but we at least have to establish the fact that, okay, there's these four or so tournaments that every year it's it's the most, it's the creme de la creme, it's the most important one that, you know, players, fans, you know, gravitate towards. And then we build around those uh, working with uh, local promoters. And, and maybe if we had to, we, we can we can also throw some of our, um, from using our own resources. Yeah, I like the idea of creating some majors. That sounds like a lot of fun. But how does that blend with the the business plans of the other entities still involved right. about IMG and Cuervo and also the NBL? Yeah, um, I think I maybe we didn't touch up on this last time when I was on, but uh, definitely want to continue our talks with uh, James Lights and IMG and Cuervo. At the time, we were trying to do some alignment, but you know, that that time was what April. By the time I purchased it. Um, so they they were already on their their plan and uh, they obviously couldn't deviate it. So, but that's not to say that we can't do anything later on. And we definitely uh, do have uh, a schedule slated to talk about you know going forward what we can do together. Um, as far as the NVL, I just talked actually Albie just uh, texted me yesterday and uh, wanted to see what uh, we could do. So I'm we're definitely open to it. At some point, does it become competition instead of cooperation? Does a what? On that, does it have to become competition instead of cooperation? At um, point, you get a for one of the three of you. It well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there's there should be plenty of of weekends uh, available, and so if we uh, if if we're all pretty much aligned, then. It should be okay, even if we don't do anything together. But <clears throat> as long as we don't step on each other's toes, then we're, we should be fine. Um, but of course, ultimately, it would be best if we somehow figured out some synergistic relationship, uh, all three of us. You're listening to Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to new AVP owner and full-time owner Donald Sun. Donald, there's been a lot of talk about prize money amongst the players and people trying to hold a line. We're going to have on here later and I talked to her earlier in this year she was quoting some numbers to me about the minimum prize money yeah. for a tournament 
you guys put up 87,500 per gender this past weekend. I wonder how you came up with that number. Why not uh, $86,987? <laughs> uh, it was purely from a budgeting standpoint. <laughs> there was no magic formula. But I did see, you know, while we were talking about uh, our events this year uh, and, and trying to set it up, um, I did see the notification from the players about their requirements. And uh, luckily, when we were already set on our war path, we, we met them. So we didn't, we didn't have a, an issue, at least for this year. Okay. How about sponsors? How much contact have you had with sponsors? How receptive have they been to your efforts with the AVP, given its brand history, and also with the others in the marketplace? They've been very receptive. The only thing that uh, was a shortcoming was time, and uh, I don't know. Giving them, I gave them what two months or three months to, to scrounge up something. When I know that companies' budgets, uh, their marketing budgets are are you know uh, probably they, they need about I don't know depending on the size, you know up to like a year and a half to figure out how to plan us in. Yeah. But. But having said all that, it's been really positive. I've gotten emails from you know smaller, mid-sized um, uh, sponsors that would love to participate as well. It's just that you know we're already what a few days into it, so uh, couldn't accommodate. But definitely the the vibe, the general sentiment is that they definitely want to be incorporated with the AVP name or and or the lifestyle that we bring to them. So it, it's been good. It's just, again, it's just, it's a time-sensitive issue. So you know, going into next year, we have definitely a lot more time um, starting actually after the uh, last ball drops on Sunday. Have the dollar discussions been to the level that you needed to be to take the AVP from being something that's fun to operate and, and be part of to being an actual money-making business? What kind of changes do you see that need to be made to the sport from the way it was run before to taking it into the future where you're actually going to be in the black every year? Yeah, uh, and I think I've touched on this last time. We definitely don't want to own everything. Um, that's something that uh, I think has is detrimental to to uh, any kind of uh, quote-unquote traveling circus <laughs> um, to take ownership of all the assets and, and everything. So, we want to make sure that you know we develop, we cultivate uh, really strong promoters um, nationwide, and they have reached out to us. Um, you know, case in point is you know Bob Slattery in Cincinnati, and that was that was yeah we did have to help them a little bit, but you know going forward you know year two, three, four, five by that time we hope to have them be very sustainable and profitable as well. And you know I'm not asking to make everything. I just, you know, as long as we're we're okay, then in the black, and that's that's I think the right business model. And I know that the previous uh, the previous ownership was on that path, um, but uh, because I, you know, I saw the full disclosure, but um, but they just, you know, they they ran out of uh, you know resources. So we want to continue that. Um, that way, it minimizes the cost. That's really all it comes down to is just cost. Yeah, when it gets to those costs and gets to the sponsorships and offsetting those things for a guy like Bob Slattery as he looks to go forward there in Cincinnati, is it ticket sales that's going to make the difference? Is it sponsorships? Is it TV exposure? Where are the dollars going to come from that are going to help him offset his costs? 
Yeah, it's going to be a little bit everything. For example, what he's going to do is, you know, he now he has a whole year to plan. And we're definitely going to go back next year. Um, but he's got a whole year to plan. He's got a bunch of local sponsors that he can tap now. Um, we can we can help him with uh, TV deals. We're, in fact, right now we're in the process of working with a media company uh, in the other room trying to see if they can uh, help us with uh, production, uh, not just, just live to tape, but I'm talking about, you know, making it a full-blown, whatever you want to call it, reality series and things like that. That would help to generate buzz and, 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 and revenue, obviously, um, from the branding side. And then, um, and then we can also inject, you know, our national sponsors uh, into you know the local promoters as well to to help out to help offset anything else. So um, those are the, uh, the big picture plans. Donald uh, DJ Roche here, looking forward to meeting you this weekend in Santa hey, Barbara. Yeah. What's going on? Um, I talked to some players and saw some tweets and stuff this weekend, a lot of positive stuff. How was their reaction to you been in person? Have they been, you know, you said some fans and stuff came up and thanked you, but how have the players been treating you? They have been extremely kind, and and uh, they've been very genuine, and I appreciate that. Uh, whether it be good or bad, it's, of course, 99% was, was all positive, um, and uh, I I really do appreciate our casual banter. <laughs> With them, or my my casual banter with them, um, got to know a little bit more in depth with these these guys and their and gals, and uh, you know they're just real people, man. I, and I appreciate that. It's really cool to see that you know we're all in the same boat. You know, it's it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter wh- what you do. It's you know we're we're all just uh, we're just trying to make a living. Don, we were just talking on this show, Jeremy and I, about the role of the players and the success or failure of the sport when it comes to guys like Phil and Todd who are incredible players but perhaps not iconic or uh, thought-provoking when it comes to branding yeah. on the side of personality. How much do the personalities of the players matter and how much of the success or failure of the sport do you think rests on the players themselves? I've... Uh... When I've gotten the chance to talk to individual players, um, I've been telling, I've been trying to, short of preaching to them that they need to be individuals. They need to get away from that uh, team mentality of everything looking uniform uh, and uh, and bland. I want them to to be themselves. If they're cold and calculating, fine. We can maybe figure something out to to brand that from the AVP. If they're wild and crazy, great. You know, we can do that too. You know, I I always go back to when when I used to watch and follow the AVP. You know, when you when you when you look at when you go to an event and you see from afar, you know, you can pinpoint who is who. And at this moment, you know, because of what they dress, how they dress, how they act and and how they play and and if you look at it today, um it's too vanilla, and I'd love to see more individualism in 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 our sport again. You know, it, it happened before, and I think it was very successful because people latched on to certain personalities or or personas, um, and, and and we need to do that again. It's going to be a process, but you know, this is year one half, so. <laughs> Do you need some Canyon Seaman advice here? Do you need him to come in and talk about the structure of the WWE and creating? <laughs> yeah, let's do this. <laughs> That's great controversy. Get like people fill, you know? 
Yeah, I just, you know, let's just throw it down, man. You know? Let's do this. I want to see it. On Twitter and so on, social media with this week's event, give them the information they need to be a part of the AVP in Santa Barbara coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sorry, you're breaking up again. Can you repeat that? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend from Santa Barbara, social media, ticket information, those kinds of things. Oh, uh, yeah, just go on uh, avp.com. It just directs you straight to the our, um, uh, Santa Barbara Championships page, and you can see everything from you know, uh, hotel discounts to tickets to um, the schedules, uh, who's playing, everything. What's your hashtag this weekend? You got a hashtag on Twitter for the event or what? Jeez, uh, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I'm not very... Um, <laughs> technologically savvy dude so i don't even know what a hashtag means all right we'll, we'll talk to josh glazebrook about that's that. that's perfect yeah that's good that's good yeah. if you want to go have grab a martini with me then you call me <laughs> is a new owner of the EVP, a man putting it where his mouth is with this sport and bringing the passion back donald we appreciate you the show the couple of times you've done it we look forward to hearing from you over the winter and leading on into the spring as you begin year two of the avp wish you the best of luck perfect man thank you thank you gentlemen i love it i love it that he's uh he's putting it up he believes in the sport you can tell he's a fan he's talking about definitely back when he was a kid watching the the game and participating in the game and obviously had other things to do in his life and now has come back to the sport Hearing him, it was funny hearing that he the AVP was finalized in April that he bought it. Yeah, I forgot it was I that forgot, close. Yeah. I wrote that down like holy April. cow, April. Um, and listening, remembering our conversation with him then, and then hearing him now, like you can tell that now that he's in it, he realizes everything that it's actually going to take. Yeah. But from the outside in, it, you know, not that it says it looks easier from the outside in, but it always does. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, because you're like, oh, we could do this, we could do that. But then when you get into the nooks and crannies and realize how many little things have to be done, like uh, there was complaints about like, – and he said, too, they weren't ready Thursday night for Friday morning. It's little things that you forget, like, oh, maybe I need a water, water cooler at this court. But you're not thinking about that. You're like, does it, everything look right? And then it's just the little minor things that you forget or that weren't taken care of. But those things will come with time once you do it. I mean – this was their his first event was this past weekend in Cincinnati. The thing's been gone for two years. You lose some of that institutional knowledge, some of those little things about where the water coolers go, where the batteries are located for the mic, yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, you know, this weekend, I, I I would think as long as they feel like they did a better job this weekend than last weekend, then they'll feel like they're progressing. And maybe better is not the correct term, but as long as they're progressing in how they get things done and make sure it's done correctly. Then, then, you know, that's all you can ask for, right? I hope they progress in the off season with bringing in some dollars because I, I still have some real questions as to how you're going to cover just the prize money alone. No, of course. Forget the, the site fees and the sand and moving stuff around and paying everybody who's there and those kinds of things. Um, I'm glad to hear that sponsorships and the sponsors have been receptive. Yeah. We have a uh, caller. I don't know if you'll remember this person because you haven't seen him forever and he's all big time now. But he's calling from a cubicle. By the way. A cubicle, an actual cubicle. Uh, is this Time Warner's newest star employee? Guys, I- I've never had a cubicle in my life. I don't even know what to do here. 
decorate. That's what you do. Hang some jerseys in there. Get your Fletch wig and stuff. That's what you do. Dude, I, I, I'm people are walking by me and looking at me. I'm I'm doing this like uh, there's seven different videos and they're all about 45 minutes to an hour, and they quiz you and it's part of your orientation. And uh, I don't know how I'm passing because uh, you know my ADD. I'm kind of fading out, but uh, I definitely uh, I'm on video number four right now, so it's it's uh it's pretty exciting. Hey, without, without Jeremy there to click on the next video for you, how do you even get video to video? I don't understand. <laughs> Did you guys, yeah, I thought of both of you yesterday because, you know, they sit me down at this, you know, new computer. I'm like, yeah, I've only used a Mac. The guy's like, don't worry, computers are computers. And I'm looking at him like, dude, you don't you don't know me, obviously. I mean, I, it, it took me hours to figure things out. I was walking around this place just in a daze going, get me to a Laker game and put me in front of the camera. I'm not even sure what, what I'm supposed to be doing here. But, you know, I'm a normal employee now, so uh, i got to sit down and go through all this. And uh, next week we start rehearsals, and uh, October 1st we launch the new network. So I'm pretty excited. Rehearsals? I mean, how many rehearsals are you going to go through? You're going to be polished by the time you arrive October 1. Well, the Lakers new network, is, is the, the most question I get is, uh, is will every cable outlet get it? They're, they're right now doing deals with DirecTV and Verizon, so everyone's obviously going to get the Lakers. Uh, you know, those cable companies aren't going aren't to not have the Lakers. But, uh, you know, by October 1st when we launch, uh, you know, probably the only time Warner will have it. But by the time, you know, the first game, October 30th, I'm sure every cable company will have it. So uh, okay. my job is to be the host on game nights. Um you know, the pre and the post and uh, with, with James Worthy and uh, whomever else they have in here, Kurt Rambis and a couple other guys. Uh, so it's going to be really exciting, man. It's a, it's a big step. And uh, I, I was it was uh, hard leaving Fox after nine years, but, uh, you know, something that uh, I had to do for my career. Well, they got, they got a new guy replaced you right away. It's no problem. Yeah, but Barnett. <laughs> How did this opportunity come about? And what's up with now Laker Royalty plus Chris McGee, or maybe it's Chris McGee and the Laker royalty, right? To be honest with you, it, it was kind of weird. It was um, I originally talked to them about sideline position, um, but to be honest with you, I mean, I don't think that would have uh, done it for me in terms of leading Fox, where I was with them, and um, the stuff I got to do with them in terms of play-by-play and hosting and reporting. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know. They, they they never even got to that point of putting together a package for me, but it started like that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, whether, uh, you know, uh, my name somehow got thrown into the host hat. But the next time they contacted me uh, about it, it was uh, for me to be the host of, of the show and, 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 and the new network. And, and that was definitely something that I was really interested in and looked more into it. And, you know, to, to work 10 minutes from your house, to, you know, the, the new studios in El Segundo, and a uh, chance to not travel. Have a few- uh, you know, yeah, that, that's huge with two small kids. You know, I, I'd already traveled with baseball and basketball this year, 65 nights. So Ooh. for me to get a chance to stay close to home, it was just, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, man, it's, it's a high-profile job. It's, it's, it's a great step in the career and, and an opportunity for me that I just, there's no way I could pass it up. Wait, did did you just say, to be honest with you, I'm big time? Is that what you just said? <laughs> so it sounded like- no, not at all. But uh, to be honest with you, I have to take. I had to take this job. Uh, no, I'm, nobody, no people at Fox are listening, and I and, I, and I'm just being honest. I, I just could not pass up this opportunity. It's just uh, you know the Lakers in this town, and that's going to be with the new networks. Where Lakers are lunching, and that'll be that'll be Geeter now. Oh, let's uh, let's do lunch at uh, I don't know whatever some fancy restaurant. Nobu, is. that's where Nobu. Geeter goes. There you go, Nobu. 
All right, go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, Geet, what is the uh, – my question is, who are you going to become BFFs with first, Dwight or, <laughs> or Kobe? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, For sure. Well, Kobe and I have a past relationship, uh, obviously, because of Beijing and his love for beach volleyball, but I have a feeling Dwight's, uh, Dwight's going to be fun to work with. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Actually, the coolest guy – on that team is going to be Steve Nash. Steve Nash is one of the great guys in the NBA, a guy that just works his butt off, does it right, great athlete, um, actually loves beach volleyball, by the way. He's good friends with Steve Kerr and a lot of those guys in Del Mar and uh, play sometimes. So uh, he, Steve Kerr is, is going to be huge for this team. Why do Steve Nash and Drew Brees remind me of each other? Is that just me? That, yeah, I think- you know, it's, it's that hair and the, the kind of the, 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 the face and the you know, the same kind of colored skin. They really do have that same kind of attitude, kind of smaller guys at their position. Like, I mean, Breeze, the knock on him was always, uh, you know, coming out of Purdue was, you know, was he able to uh, see the offensive line? Well, not only does he able to see, but he's been an MVP and won a Super Bowl, so he's done okay. And Steve Nash, of course, you know, smaller point guard. Oh, he can't defend. He's not that fast. He's literally one of the best shooters in the history of the game. So uh, Steve Nash is big-time stud, 38 years old, by the way. Are we going to have lots of text messages going back and forth this year about the Clippers and Lakers? Oh, there's no question about it. But uh, hey, and by the way, Clippers are a good team. But uh, I'm uh, I, I got to be honest, Jeremy. It kind of killed me to have to travel with them last year, and, and you and I discussing Clipper games instead of Laker games. It it it, it, it did stick with me. It hurt. I mean, the Clippers were good when you got to travel with them. What's the word in volleyball? How uh, how was Donald's son? Interesting. I think Donald's kind of in the middle of it. I think he's down right in the the heart of the beast right now with an event last week and an event this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I saw Ed Ratledge's Facebook <laughs> post. I'd heard about that. And, uh, you know, I, I think people do need to appreciate uh, the guys that do put their own money up and, and do what they can to help the game. And, you know, I hope it's a success, man. I mean, I, I've heard pretty good things about the event. And I'm interested to see how Santa Barbara goes and, uh, it should to see what happens next summer in terms of uh, Cuervo IMG and, and the AVP and everyone working together. And I haven't talked to Albert in a while, so I'm not sure what's going on with, with them. But, uh, you know, hopefully it's a step in the right direction for beach volleyball. We talked to Donald. We're going to be talking to Brooke Niles here in just a second when we're through with you to get the player's perspective on the whole thing. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how Donald proceeds. And I thought Ratledge's Facebook quote pretty much made the case. It said, look, this is a charity deal right now for Donald. He's putting up his own money. But it made yeah. the case the state of the sport right now. You need a guy like Donald with some deep pockets and some patience to try and weather what is currently going on for the sport and see if he can change that narrative. Yeah. Also, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, John with the best uh, men's team ever because they beat uh, <laughs> Phil and Todd. And um, for Nick, this weekend, he thinks that they're, they should have won the gold medal in the Olympics. Yeah, I put him in the Hall of Fame already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just stupid, but, yeah, I mean, they are they are a great team. Uh, great in transition. I heard Johnny Hyden's playing really, really well, but, you know, to say they're the greatest team of all time, it's, it's just asinine, and that's something that usually comes out of Barnett's mouth without a question. Why don't you get back to your cubicle and your computer, buddy, there? Why don't you see if you can figure boot up the next video? I'll be watching Pac-10 all week. It's exciting. I know hey, guys, doing. thanks for fitting me in. Appreciate you calling, Geet. See you soon. Uh, all right, guys. Later. <laughs> That's Mr. Big Time, Chris McGee. You can catch him on Time Warner starting up October 1st, along with uh, any one of the Laker legends who uh, McGee will be attaching himself to. He is so going to be BFS with half the team quickly. He is. Put on a little music. Let's bring in our next guest. She's been very patient with us. 
a woman who I, I look down and I see uh, quite a few number ones here. 2011, some wide open, an AVP. She and her former partner, Lauren Fendrick, were in the finals of the first Cuervo event this year. And now she had an opportunity to play in Cincinnati this past week. She's gone from Hanson back to Niles. Please welcome into the Net Live for the first time, Brooke Niles. Brooke. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Getting ready. I'm so excited to play in Santa Barbara this weekend. I can't even tell you. So, um, getting ready for that. How many people are you putting in the stands for your hometown event? There must be all kinds of folks. Well, you know what the bummer is, is that UCSB is traveling out of town. So, my number one person I want there, Kathy Gregory, is not going to be able to come. So, I'm kind of bummed about that. But, um, yeah, my whole family's coming, friends. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, tell us about the weekend in Cincy. We just talked to Donald Sun. I don't know if you had a chance to listen in on that. Obviously, you, you may have seen him this weekend at the event. Give us your impressions from a player perspective on the return of the AVP. Um, you know, I thought it was a great event. It was in a different location, um, which was kind of cool. I, it looks like they're trying to do some different things with the survival courts and um, – the setup was a little different, but uh, basically, like, I'm just excited to compete. Um, everybody, you know, big names were there. Carrie was there. Jen and April were there. All the men's teams that were qualifying for the Olympics were there, and I think it's only going to make our tour and our uh, U.S. teams better to compete on the world tour if we have that competition every weekend and to have an AVP where they all want to come. I-, I thought it was great. You debuted a new partner or played with a new partner for one of the first times, Tyra Turner, this past yeah. week. How did you end up with a new partner? Because I thought you were a part of a partnership that was looking forward to 2016 and kind of being that next generation of players. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, I love playing with Lauren, and she's a really good friend of mine. Um, but we just weren't having the results internationally that, um, you know, I think either of us wanted to have. We got all 17th this year and one ninth, and then didn't qualify for one and lost in country quota for another one. So that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, and you're kind of searching for answers. Um, and I just think we need a little break in the partnership. So um, Tyra was available, and she's experienced, and I think she's helped even in these two weeks develop me a little bit more as a player, um, which I kind of needed. So that was the reason for the switch. And, you know, I'm, I love Lauren, and Lauren's doing really well with Rachel. And, um, you know, I think it will benefit us both to learn from more experienced partners. Where are those areas of your game that you think Tyra will help you with? Um, you know, she's kind of uh, – she hand sets, which is awesome. So just developing more of a diverse offense for me um, is kind of cool. And uh, just, like, hearing her perspective, she's competed against all these international teams that I compete against. And uh, Lauren and I kind of tried to, to figure all that stuff out ourselves because we weren't uh, experienced um, playing all these different teams and – uh, Tyra's kind of been there, so just uh, talking to her about volleyball has been cool for me. How is Tyra able to manage motherhood and practice? Does she have enough time? Is she available enough for the schedule you were used to? Uh, I mean, yeah, she's she's great. She has a husband that helps her. Um, a couple times she's brought Miles down to the beach with a babysitter, but, I mean, she's still, like, she plays super hard every time she's out on the court. I think she appreciates that time to herself a little bit more now than before when she had a kid. Um, but, yeah, Tyra's a really hard worker. Um, I don't have to worry about if she's working out, if she's eating right, or anything like that. Um, she's she's professional all the way around, and 
I think just having the baby makes it a little more uh, well-rounded for her. Tyra, definitely ripped. No one's ever accused Tyra of not <laughs> being in shape. My goodness. And, uh, I know. I, I look like I had the baby. <laughs> oh, no. Not at all. Hey, tell us about the state of beach volleyball for you personally, given the kind of unpredictable nature of this season, the events, the weekends. Was AVP going to have an event? Were they not? Traveling FIVB, the expenses associated there. How are you as far as making a living and your desire to continue as a professional beach volleyball player? Um, you know, I am so fortunate. Uh, I get funding from USA Volleyball, which helps a ton. Without that, I wouldn't be able to travel internationally. Um, and Cuervo, the events I've played in, and AVP, like, they've, they've tried to do a really good job. Like, Cuervo's tried to raise, raise the prize money. It's not exactly where we would like it at this point. Um, I haven't played in NVL yet, but I'm playing in the Las Vegas event. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for the way beach volleyball is going. With the AVP back, like it's a name people recognize, and um, international is such a big financial commitment that without the help of USA Volleyball, I probably wouldn't be, be able to do it, and I know a lot of people couldn't. But um, hopefully a domestic tour, um, maybe they can combine or something, and we can get one big tour and help fund other players that want to give it a shot internationally. What about the evolution of that USAV system? You've seen the value of some of that support. How reactive are they to your needs? What benefits are they providing you besides just money to travel? There's other things that they're also providing you, are they not? Yeah, I mean, I get um, to get worked on by uh, physical therapists, and uh, I get, like, a certain allotment, um, a monthly stipend, and then travel. Um, I mean, it's not like we're millionaires, but every little bit helps. Um but the thing is, when I started playing internationally, we had a strong AVP tour, and I saved all my prize money from those three years that I played, and I committed to playing a year internationally funding myself. But now I just, like, nobody can do that because there's not enough prize money. So, um, I mean, the teams at home are still training really hard and competing hard on this tour, but it'd be interesting to see how they do overseas. Talking to AVP and beach volleyball professional got to get used to not saying AVP for professional, but beach volleyball professional, Brooke Niles. Brooke, we've talked a lot about trials on this program and the idea that those trials are coming. And just today we were talking about the the dollar figures needed to travel internationally, as you just mentioned, are a barrier to a lot of new talent getting on the FIVB. Do you think as a part of trials, as a part of a trials process or qualification four years from now, that the international component should play a huge role in your eligibility. Yes, I think it. I mean, just the whole game is different internationally. I, I mean, that's why I kind of want to see how some of our teams here would do internationally because the ball is different. Uh, the teams, you know, are bigger, stronger, faster. Um, it's a lot. The game's a lot different. Um, but I mean, trials this year probably would have helped me and Lauren qualify because we were kind of far behind Jen in April and then didn't really close the gap. Um, so it's kind of hard. Like, selfishly, this year probably I should have voted for trials. But um, I think if they send something out now about how trials would work out and uh, how they want people to qualify for the trials, then we can start working on it for in four years, you know, and people would be happy with it. Do you think trials is a benefit to the sport? Do you think it would be something positive? Um, I think it could be. I think I really think it could be. Um 
I think it could help with the excitement. I mean, the beach volleyball, I couldn't wait to tune in the Olympics every day. And I know a lot of people that don't watch volleyball regularly couldn't wait to watch it. So maybe something like that would get people excited again. Um, but I do think it has to be done in the right way with the right timing. <laughs> All right. Talking about promotion and brand building, we've wondered how much the players are responsible for that. You were involved with a group, KSM, who was putting out some unique promotional efforts behind some of you women. Are you still involved with them? And what was your impression of some of the things that you guys were embarking on to try and increase your own brand names inside of the sport? Uh, no, I'm not still involved with them. Um, basically, like Lauren and I tried to give it a shot, something new, um, and nothing really panned out. And then, you know, I kind of want to let my play speak for itself. And if somebody wants to sponsor me and they, they like the type of person I am and what I represent uh, on the court, then I would love that. But uh, some of the other things are a little too crazy for me, <laughs> if that makes sense. You pursue sponsors on your own. How do you dedicate the time outside of the training, which is a full-time job, to go and pursue sponsors? See, if somebody wants to sponsor you, that's great, but don't you have to go out and find those people? They don't necessarily find you? Yeah, and that takes a lot of, like, nose and a lot of hard work off the court, and it's mostly something uh, that I do in the off-season. And then, um, But I'm lucky. I have an amazing sponsor this year in Zico, Coconut Water, and I have um, a bunch of smaller ones uh, as well. So, I mean, that's helped me with the travel and everything. But, yeah, it's definitely a full-time job, and um, I'm kind of shy in that area too. So uh, I've only had, like, a few a few major sponsors throughout my career. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure it's something I could be a little more uh, go-getter-ish, I guess. <laughs> but uh, also, you know, I kind of just would rather play volleyball, I guess. Go. I'd love to have Zico coconut water just as or chocolate coconut water as as a sponsor here. That that chocolate, that I sponsor. can't get enough of the chocolate coconut water. Nor can my oh drink. my god! I'll I'll bring you guys some. I have cases. I can't drink it fast enough. Done. I will see you this weekend. <laughs> Perfect. I'll bring it. I'll bring it to Santa Barbara. Right on. Okay, Brooke, we were just talking to Donaldson, and we were talking about, again, the role of the players and the idea of bringing more personality to the game and and being personable and and even the idea of going wrestler style so if you were a wrestler if you had to be don't a make persona like a wrestler bandits. yeah but would it would it be would you be a evil person would you be <laughs> a foil would you be the hero what role would you play good bad would you have to have a mustache or wear black i mean that's basically what it comes down to good or bad oh my god um i'd probably be a little bad i mean when i'm on the court i i'm not as nice as i am off the court i don't think so you have to have a little edge to you if you're going to compete against people, I think. So I'd take the bad guy role for sure. Nice. So you'd bark through the net and you would uh, you would smash chairs or you would, you know, <laughs> into the crowd on the face, that kind of yeah. thing? I mean, you haven't seen me. I bark through the net all the time. Come on. <laughs> as long as you don't wear some weird spandex outfit, I think we'll be fine. I'm th- I'm th- oh, I think that would be the best part. The yeah. outfit. Right? Yeah. Ultimate warrior style or something. Time <laughs> stuff hanging the biceps? I mean, come on. It would be entertaining. Yeah. I used to watch wrestling when I was younger with my brothers, and we were obsessed. So I would want the crazier the outfit, the better, I think. Okay. Favorite wrestler, best move? Oh, well, we would impersonate Hulk Hogan all the time. Um, but I really liked uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. He was nice. my fave. 
Um, I don't know about the move. My brother always puts me in the leg locks, and like I have bad knees now, and it hurts so bad I can't do it. He still does it to me. He still puts you in leg locks? Yes, it's terrible. It's terrible. Oh man, you got to go and off. I the... used, to, used to not do it. It's my younger brother too. He used to not be able to do it. Now I can, and so it's sort of embarrassing. Tell them that you need your knees for your professional living and to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do that. I cry wolf all the time. I'm like, ow, oh, it hurts, and then he stops. So. <laughs> All right, Brooke, if people want to follow you on Twitter or people want to interact with you in social media and follow you this weekend, how would they do it? Oh, yes, I do have a Twitter, and I'm getting better at it. It's uh, benile16, or at benile16, is that how they do it? (laughs) Um, And then I don't really uh, go on Facebook that much, but Twitter, I'm there. I'll send updates on the tournament for sure. All right, Brooke Niles is a professional beach volleyball player. She was in action last week in Cincinnati. You missed it. She will be in action this week in Santa Barbara, flying off the top rope, (laughs) hopefully all the way to the final. (laughs) Brooke, thanks for checking us. We appreciate your thoughts on the sport and the direction it's going. Wish you the best of luck the rest of this season. All right, thanks, guys. Jeremy, I'll see you this weekend. You will. Okay, sounds good. All right, Jeremy will be there. He'll have his... uh, do I have to come up with a station wagon? A wrestler. First of all, it's a wagon. You'll have your station wagon and fill it with Zico chocolate coconut water to bring back to the show. And that's just, your only goal all weekend. Just so it. you know, you're not getting any. Son of a. I'll get Nicole. I'll call Nicole. She will send some over my way. By the way, if I show up to Santa Barbara this weekend and Brooke is wearing some like Ultimate Warrior outfit, I yeah. will. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I'd have to go buy an outfit just so she wouldn't be the only one wearing it. All right, spin up a 25-second break here. On the other side, we have the College Volleyball Weekly coming up. We have Brandon Rosenthal and Mike Sondheimer checking in with all the info on this last week. It was an interesting week in the world of women's college volleyball. Kevin and Jeremy on a Wednesday, the Net Live. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to sports' biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. The Net Live from the home court in Redondo Beach, where it was looking like Florida all morning. Kind of dark clouds, a little bit of rain, very tropical. That's not typical here. Usually it's dry like the desert. Oh, wait. It was because it is the desert. It was humid. Yeah. It was a little sticky. Yeah. Very strange. When I walked outside to go to the gym this morning, Kevin, because that's how I roll. I'll be getting on the stationary bike later. Yes. It was... I looked out the window and... It literally took me about 30 seconds to realize that it was raining. I was like, that's that's not rain. That's not rain, right? Those right. raindrops on the ground. Right. Somebody was washing their car at 630 this morning. It no. Was, it was raining your house. Yeah, very very, very odd. I walked out, and it was a dark sky, very tropical, fun. <laughs> so there's your weather report for Southern California. It will be 95 coming up this weekend. I'll be at the Lake Elsinore National, if anyone wants to come out and see that. Nice. It's where I went skydiving. Right there. It's right yep. next to that, that area. It's going to be the National. It's uh, the last race of the year for motocross. For those of you checking in your motocross uh, timing, that was one hour and 20, 20 minutes, yeah, basically, until we mentioned motocross. Not bad. Pretty good. 
Let's get back to volleyball. Let's get back to the College Volleyball Weekly. This is going to be the new intro tune because nobody, like nobody likes the fight song. Yeah, they switch every week and we can't find half of them and nobody cares. <laughs> like some of them are like some kid singing in his bedroom. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, well, that was the Irvine Anteaters oh, gotcha. for the men. Yeah. <laughs> in association with the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the Net Live is proud each week to present the College of Volleyball Weekly, a report on what was and a review of what was and a look towards what will be in the world of college volleyball. We have both of our analysts this week. One's a coach at Lipscomb University, Brandon Rosenthal. The other is an administrator, a star administrator, and an stats extraordinaire whose work you heard me talk about at the London Summer Olympics. Mike Sondheimer, and he's coming to us from USA, where I know he's clad in powder blue. Gentlemen, welcome in. What's up, boys? Thanks for joining us, guys. Let's uh, go down the ABCA Top 25. We will not go through them all, but Nebraska at number one still. Penn State with a big jump to number two. UCLA three, Texas four. Big drop for them down from number two. Southern Cal five, Florida State, Washington, Stanford, Hawaii, Dayton at number 10. But some notable people missing from that. And, Mike, I wanted to start with you. What is up with Cal they lose to both Baylor and <laughs> USF. Five. All I know is that if Hawaii had beaten Cal and they beat UCLA this Sunday, I thought Hawaii was going to run the table and be the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But Cal Berkeley got Corey Johnson back. They played a, a great match coming from two sets to one down in Honolulu and established themselves again as a team that can be very, very good when they hit the conference if they can get healthy. Another team. Big victory Rosenthal over the this past week was Louisville three one. The team you got picked off there. Yeah, Louisville is an interesting story. I mean, just because they played a pretty tough schedule early on, uh, you know, they had a <clears throat> a good win over Kentucky, and Kentucky's kind of uh, one of these teams that uh, early on was on the rise and then quickly back down. Uh, you know, we played them at their tournament, and uh, definitely a team I think people should be watching for out of the SEC. Uh, you know, but they lost later in the week with a really interesting team, a team that I think uh, everybody really needs to take note of and and uh, kind of watch to see what happens, especially early on in the Pac-12 season, and that's Oregon. Oregon beat them 3-0. Oregon's very, very good and they have a chance to actually win the Pac-12 Conference. I think they're deep enough and, and really the best team they've ever had there. Good. I'll be seeing Oregon. that work. Barnett, one of the things that uh, I don't know if you guys talked about last week because I didn't call in, my bad, uh, was the interesting uh, – one of the kind of side notes of this ABCA poll now is the votes are uh, are public. Interesting. Accountable your vote. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, I really like it, um, but I can see early on, and again, there's only been two polls now, but what I can see early on or, or what I'm starting to see is maybe a little bit of conference posturing. Uh, so maybe not necessarily voters voting for themselves and, and pushing themselves up, but uh, one of the things that I see is a little bit of maybe pushing their conference up, uh, understanding that it's probably going to help them on the back end a little bit. 
Well, not based on the last two years, I don't think it helps them at all because as we've seen the tournament and seen who's gotten in and the seedings, they followed basically um, RPI a lot more than uh, the seedings and the rankings of coaches, unfortunately. But I will say this, that there's been a bigger push uh, over the past couple of years and in, in being a part of some of these meetings that uh, I think the influence or, or so they say is that they're going to be taking a look at some of these things a lot more. So I'll be interested so. to see how that goes uh, over this next year and, and even more so how that will play out as far as the voting goes. We'll have to see if it's like professional wrestling since that's been a topic on the show, whether it's really entertainment or if it's fake. <laughs> Comedy, you got this all. Okay. Mike, let's get back to you. I want to talk about BYU who picked. Well, BYU is off to a 6 0 start. They've got a big match with Utah, which will really kind of establish itself this weekend. But the fact that they that they can go out and beat some top teams and show that maybe they've come back. I mean, they lost their coach to Arizona State a few years ago, and now their program is really playing well. And this will be a big test. I mean, when you can go out and you can beat Wichita State in five at Wichita State and then beat Colorado State and Tennessee, I mean, all over basically, you know, a 24-hour period, that's pretty amazing. And I'm sure Brandon would agree because he's seen Tennessee, and there's some good teams out there. Yeah, you know, BYU is another one of those teams kind of like Oregon or uh, Oregon is just understanding what conference they play in. And, and obviously BYU and the West Coast Conference is obviously not the powerhouse that the uh, Pac-12 is. But, uh, uh, you know, slowly but surely you're starting to see, you know, a conference really sneaking up there with San Diego, Pepperdine. Uh, now obviously BYU, you throw in St. Mary's. Uh, I mean, this is not a conference to be kind of toy around with. I think the WCC in the past has missed out on some bigger wins uh, against some bigger conferences. And so uh, this will be interesting to see how that plays out uh, later in the year. Well, they have a player, Jennifer Hampson, that UCLA tried to recruit in basketball. is like six 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 seven, who's playing opposite for BYU and really doing a job. And it'll be interesting to see how people attack her. UCLA plays Pepperdine, who beat by UCLA last year in a week on September the 12th. And that'll be kind of a real good test because Pepperdine's off to a good start. But to see, you know, losing losing Hill, whether that's going to be a big factor for them. It'll be on the Pac-12 network. That game is scheduled to be broadcast live on Wednesday night. Mike, I wish you were doing it. In Minnesota, they're on Albany and Miami. So my question is, well, I was going to bring up Minnesota anyhow because Minnesota, I think, has the biggest match of the week. They're going to Austin, Texas, to play Jared Elliott University of Texas, and that'll be Hugh McCutcheon's real test of how well his team has come along in a couple of weeks and playing a Texas team that I thought, you know, could be number one in the country until Penn State knocked them off last weekend, 3-0, and their 6-2 offense. So I think it'll be a real good test for both teams to kind of see if Texas is legitimate and a threat to be number one, and whether Minnesota is a top ten team or not. Really take effect in allowing people to run a true six-two now. The fifteen subs, I think, if you're not running a six-two, if you got the setters, six-two is the ultimate offense to run with all the different subs. Or you do the Penn State style, you run a five-one and you get rid of your hitters in the back row and pass falsely. Penn State's middle has been more successful over the first couple of weeks than any other program in the country. I mean, they've got they've got matches where both middles are going through with no errors between them because their passing is so smooth. Interesting. Take the contrarian view that better passing equals better offense rather than just better offense and get through the Russ pass. Rose knows. Russ Rose knows volleyball. 
I think there's a shirt now that says Russ Rose knows. That's a good one. Rose, give us an idea what to look for here coming up this week. What are your Lipscomb Lady Bears doing? We are uh, off to uh, Arizona here uh, tomorrow morning. We're heading out there to play uh, a really, really good TCU team. Uh, then we take on Iona, and then we will play the Wildcats of uh, Arizona. So I'm excited to play a Pac-12 team. Uh, I'll leave you with this. There's a team out there kind of lurking um, a little bit maybe outside the top 50-ish, but Furman has got a couple of really good wins uh, as of late. Uh, they beat uh, Clemson uh, just the other day, and uh, earlier on they knocked off uh, MTSU, which you know has traditionally been a tournament team. So just, again, off the radar, um, a, a team to maybe just keep an eye on uh, you know, as it gets down to tournament time. The other thing I'm interested in is, you know, for a lot of conferences, this is the last kind of pre-conference weekend. So uh, there's a lot of teams that will be even starting midweek next week. So <clears throat> before we know it, we're really going to be in the thick of it. And uh, obviously one of the conferences I have an eye on is the SEC because the addition of Missouri and Texas A&M, you've got your powerhouses of Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then you bring in these two other teams, and then you've got some teams on the, you know, on the bubble with uh, Arkansas now kind of knocking on the door, and uh, you know you can also throw in Auburn. So I'll be interested to see, you know, where, you know, what the dynamic is uh, going through conference season. Good information. Definitely. Traditional powerhouses. I love that. Now besides. Texas-Minnesota matchup. Mike, what are you looking at? Well, Craig Skinner takes Kentucky back to Nebraska this weekend. That should be real interesting. Nebraska, the number one team in the country. And Kentucky's got some players. They've got some talent. And playing it's tough to play in Lincoln, but it'll be interesting to see because right now, between Kentucky, Florida, and Tennessee, they've had opportunities to really knock off the better teams, but they haven't been able to do it so far at this time. All right. For your contribution, we appreciate it. Brandon, welcome back. Glad you're awake. Hey, you know, I, I just needed to get a good uh, lawn mowing session in. I'm ready to go now. All right. Don Imer and Brandon Rosenthal, thanks very much for participating in College Volleyball Week. We'll talk to you next week, next Monday. Later. We'll look forward to it. All Bye-bye. right. See you. What did that mean, lawn mowing session? Yeah. And he's got a riding mower. Dream of every man, I think, to have a riding mower, right? No? No, I mean, if you have to mow a lawn, I would roll. But I don't have I don't have a lawn, so your computer's not working with me right. It doesn't. It's not functioning. No, it's functioning. You gotta there hit mute. Go. What button are you hitting? There you go. Disconnect. Oh, just hanging up on them. You can just hit mute, and they can nope. hang on and listen if they wish. Nope, they're oh, out. Not, not in your world. Nope. Not uh, in Jeremy Roche's the net live. I'm in the big boy seat, Kevin. Do what I want. All right, take ten seconds here. We're gonna come right back with Lindsey Berg, two-time silver medalist.
Welcome back into the Net Live. Remember, during the week, you can interact with us, the Net Live at gmail.com and the Net Live on Twitter and Facebook.com slash the Net Live. Get a little good music going here, DJ Roche. Not the usual stuff we're playing, but something that's really good. Pump up. The fact. Do you realize what you just said to me? I did not give you a backhanded compliment. I want no, something awesome. No, no, no. Your it, music is usually awesome. It's just for, that's I not know, what it sounds like. I know you're getting a little grumpy, but your hair looks nice. Your tattoos are awesome, and I like your watch. Are you okay now? I'm still not happy with you. This one always works for Geeter, so I don't know. It better work for you, too. How about that backhanded comment? Our next guest was all Big Ten three times for the Minnesota Gophers. She played for the national team for nine years, co-captain in 08, captain in 12, three-time Olympian, two-time silver medalist. She's a five-foot-eight setter of Lithuanian, Hawaiian, Chinese, and Portuguese descent. Figure that one out. It's appropriate to be a citizen of the world when you have that kind of background. And we talked to her before her London adventure began. We're glad she's back to detail the results of that adventure Please welcome back to the Net Live once again, Lindsay Bird. Lindsay. Hi. Hi. Yes. Thanks for skipping your yoga class to of join. Of course. <laughs> Anything for Net Live, you know. First, we want to know just kind of what you've been up to since London. How's the Achilles? How are the knees? How's the new schedule? Uh, the body has given up on me. I think after the final match I just knew I didn't have to play anymore and gave up on me so I'm struggling a little bit but trying to do some new things yoga pilates that will maybe make it feel a little better and I've just been doing a lot of things that I've never been able to do before having this free time seeing a lot of family a lot of friends hopping on a plane for a night Uh, it's been fun it's been great and it's a new experience so are you looking for a sponsorship then with the makers of the rascal which is yes, or a private jet, or a private jet, or a G five. There you go. That would be even maybe <laughs> a six now. I think it's a six, right? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, in that vein, I want to know kind of what your thoughts were waking up uh, the next morning and knowing there wasn't another practice coming. You wouldn't have to put your body through that again, and and just your mindset waking up in what is a, obviously a different set of circumstances than it had been for the previous what twenty years. Yeah, uh, a relief, to tell you the truth. Uh, It's been a long process for me and my body in the last couple years of mentally talking it into being able to go to practice every day, playing games. Um, A lot of weight was lifted off of my shoulders after that final match. And um, But uh, I was proud. I'm proud of my career. I'm proud of my teams, all of the teams that I've been on, and I've always given my all. So being okay with being done or being done for now at least, um, I'm really okay with it and really happy with what I've done and I think I've accomplished more than I ever thought I would. So I'm in a happy place right now. Let's talk a little bit about the London Olympics. You guys going in as the favorite, ranked number one in the world, coming off another Grand Prix victory, third consecutive, a lot of hype surrounding your team, deservedly so. You guys rolled through pool play and then the semifinal victory against Korea, a hard-fought one, but not much of a reaction from your team after that victory. Not a lot of celebration. It seemed like there was still work to be done. Is that how you guys felt after that semifinal? Yeah, definitely. I People talk about how what the difference was between Beijing and um, London for me. And 
Beijing, we kind of, every game that we won and we played well, we, not that we didn't expect it, but it was slightly an overachievement in some areas just because of what people expected of us. Here, we truly believed where we deserved to be, and that was in the gold medal match. And every game, we took it as just that game, and once we were finished with that game, there was the next one. And you didn't see, in general, a whole lot of celebrating from us um, after games, yes, we were happy, thrilled. It took us to the next step. But we knew we deserved to be at that next step, and that was our feeling the whole time throughout the whole games. And I think that was the lack of celebration after the semis is, yes, we're in the gold medal match, but still we haven't won anything yet. Moving on to that gold medal match, you guys came out and you won easily in the first set, 25-11, the worst ever set defeat in the rally score era for Brazil. What were your thoughts as that first set was concluding, both about Brazil's performance but also about your own team? Um, that we possibly did the worst thing we could have ever done to Brazil. <laughs> um, knowing Brazil is that I knew there was no way that was going to be how the whole match was. And the fact that we, I think, embarrassed them that first set in a gold medal match was not good for us, knowing that they're going to come out stronger than they've ever been. And that's exactly what they did. I That's the best match I've seen them play all quad. And um, they took us out of our rhythm, took us out of our game, which we had been so used to playing for, I think, the last two years. And this was the first team, first match that took us out of us controlling the game. And they controlled us. How did they do that? What did they do to you guys specifically that put you in that uncomfortable position? They served tough. They served really tough. And uh, we're not a high-ball-hitting team. So when we get out of rhythm and uh, can't set the middles or can't set our fastballs to the outside or behind, it takes us completely out of our rhythm. And that was the start of it. And once something goes away of something that you're so used to, other things start to crumble as well. And it was just a position that we weren't used to being in. And I don't think we reacted the best we could have, but there's always, you know, shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And I'm so proud of our team. I still believe that we are the best in the world and just had a bad night. But to come out and play a team that's second in the world, we're first in the world, we've beaten them five or six times in a row. That doesn't happen in sports that much in general. So it just ended up being a bad night for us and a great night for them. Yeah, it seemed like your team reacted strangely in a way I hadn't seen you guys react, even in pressure situations through that Olympics and through other matches throughout the quad. Did did your team feel some of the pressure of being the favorite or expecting to win the gold medal as things started to crumble around them? Um, I didn't feel that. I know I can only say for what I felt, and obviously we didn't really have a team meeting and discuss anything after. Um, but... In general, we still had a lot of uh, young, inexperienced players on the team that had composed themselves so well throughout the whole Olympics and the last two years. And at one point in time, sometimes there's going to be difficult situations and areas where it's hard to react, and I think we didn't react the best or or even react. I, it's hard to go back to that match because I know that personally I just laid it all out on the line did what I could for the team and tried my hardest, and I believe that everyone did that, and it just wasn't clicking. And I give a lot of credit to Brazil because they really took our mindset out of just being confident and knowing that no matter how far we were down, we could come back, which is the mindset that we had in every other match. For Brazil, it seemed quite freeing, actually. It seemed like they went from a place of 25-11 to 
ah, forget about it. We're just going to play and take swings and, and see how it goes. And they seem to play themselves right into that. And, and I agree with you that they made some plays. It wasn't a question of you guys necessarily giving it away. It was a question of Brazil raising their level and really playing quality volleyball. Yeah, I haven't seen their outside hitters play as well as they played that match in a really long time. And I think their coach did a big uh, change of who they started on the outside, and it helped them offensively, maybe not ball handling-wise, but she held on just fine. And they were on a roll. I talk about how we were on a consistent roll of domination, but when people don't really challenge you, you don't have to necessarily fight through a lot of difficult situations. Brazil almost didn't make it out of pool play. Then they upset Russia, then had a great match against Japan, I think they were on an upward roll when we were on a consistent roll of domination, which sometimes I think can be a positive and sometimes can be a negative, and I think it ended up being a little negative for us at the end. Right, Brazil fending off six match points against Russia, an unbelievable thing if people remember that to then go on and win the gold medal. One more note about Brazil and one more question for you about them. Their celebration after winning the gold medal. Uh, is excessive the right word for that celebration? Um, yeah, we got a lot of questions about that. And I think as a team, we're used to them and their celebration um, antics, if you'd like to call them. Um, who knows? You know, I've never won a gold medal. I don't know how I would have reacted. I probably would have cried. But, um, yes, they're really... They exaggerate a lot. Um, after the gold medal match, okay, do what you want. One thing that I just thought was a little disrespectful was on the podium as Japan was receiving their first medal and I don't know how long, and they were dancing with their fans and dancing. And I just think at that moment in time, it's 10 minutes on the medal stand. You give the respect to each other team that is on the medal stand, and that's the only real thing that bothered me. And, um, yeah, there's not much to say. Everyone has their different ways of celebrating, and that's Brazil's way. <laughs> You're listening to The Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to three-time Olympian and two-time silver medalist Lindsay Berg, setter for the U.S. Women's National Team in this last Olympics. Lindsay, two silver medals, of course, two gold medal finals. Uh, have you had time to really reflect on, on your experience and your journey as a person through the sport of volleyball? Yeah, I reflect on it a lot every day almost uh, because I know I wouldn't be where I am today without all these experiences, without every journey, without every moment in each day that I've spent my life playing volleyball. Um, it's been an incredible journey. I have no regrets. I'm so happy and proud to have done what I've done, and it's been great. I, I mean, yeah, who doesn't want a gold medal, but who also doesn't want two silver medals? So just trying to look at the positives of it, and there's so many positives that outweigh very little negatives. All right, Kobe Bryant was at one of your matches. People could barely live so he could watch the match. Who was responsible for Kobe showing up? I know that he came and spoke to you guys before the Olympics started. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he had talked to – he had told us that last Olympics he had tried to come to one of our games and someone had messed up and – they went to the wrong venue or had the wrong ticket. So it's always, I think, been something that he's been trying to do, and I think it made it even more special that 
she got to spend a little time with us before we went to London and talk with us and get to know our team a little bit. And then, again, we saw him at opening ceremonies, and I think it was just something for him that he really wanted to do and come and support our team. And he supports a lot of the sports and I think tries to make the Olympic experience for himself also, not only playing, but experience other sports and other athletes. So uh, no one single-handedly was responsible. I think if not, he was responsible for coming and wanting to support us. Is there something he said to you guys before the Olympics that perhaps stuck with you or part of his presentation? I understand he came down and spent a whole bunch of time with you guys and was not in a hurry to take off, that he was quite gracious with his time with you guys. Yeah. uh, No, it was just interesting, like, listening to him and him just truly believing in himself and what he's dedicated himself to do as a player and a person, and he sticks by it. Um, you know, some people think he's very cocky or ignorant in that sort of, but he sticks by how he treats people, how he treats his teammates, how he goes about his training, and is always true to himself. And uh, I think that's what stuck with us. No matter what, if you go out there, you're true to yourself, you're sincere, you're honest, and you become a leader of your team, that it works, and he's proven it to have very successful teams and his teammates respect him and it's turned into a leader before we get back to your future let's talk a little bit about the future of the national team itself who should be the head coach of this team what do you think the future holds for this team next year and in the next four years well i don't know who is going to be the head coach um but i think it should be coach karai if he's up for that um, challenge. And I say challenge just saying because it's not an easy job and not an easy lifestyle, but uh, what he contributed to us, it, it helped us. And he's a great person, a great coach. And for him to take over the head coaching job, I think would be a huge um, step for USA Volleyball and to continue this incredible ride that we have had in the in the last Olympics. Um as for the year after the Olympics, it's always a little up and down how the team does. Uh, all the quads that I've been a part of, that's been the most difficult year. Some people take a year off just being so worn out. And some younger players come in, and it's kind of just an up and down journey of trying to get to know with the new coach and the program and the process. So I don't know what the, this coming summer will be like, um, but it really doesn't really determine what the rest of the quad will be like. All right, what about your life through Christmas of this year? How quickly do you move on to the next thing? Is the boutique plan still there, or are you still taking a little more time to decompress? Um, Right now, I'm definitely just kind of doing anything that comes up right now. Um, And next week, I get to go to the White House. All the Olympians get to go if they're available. That's fun. I'm going to go to New York do a couple fun things, and then off to Minnesota to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is an incredible honor. And then to see my sister um, and her kids, which I haven't been able to do. So right now I'm just kind of going with the flow, doing some things that I haven't been able to do. The boutique is definitely still in the plans and working on it as we speak. And um, But hopefully a lot of other things will come up, and I'm just kind of going with the flow. All right, with Karch Karai, or pardon me, with Hugh McCutcheon as head coach at Minnesota, and now you'll be in the Minnesota Hall of, Hall of Fame. Do you have gopher gear forever? Anything you want? I don't know. I have no gopher gear right now, to be honest with you. I'm looking at three 
bags full of Mizuno gear, of USA Volleyball gear, that I'm deciding what to do with it. Um, but no, but maybe, maybe that is one thing when you get into the Hall of Fame, I get gopher gear forever. I'm going to ask them when I get there. And then, you know, pass on some to the Net Live crew. Nice. There we go. There we'll, we'll clad it. We'll clad it. Uh, what is it? Gold and brown? Is that the official color? It is maroon and gold. Maroon and gold. My yeah. bad. Maroon and gold. Yes. Well, it'll take you at least four years to get rid of all that USA Volleyball stuff. It took. I think I cleaned my closet six times before I had cleansed uh, most of the stuff. I just never had time to even wear in there. You must have an incredible buildup of things. I mean, it is incredible. Um, and it's not everything. I just did phase one of my closet cleaning on Monday. That was my Labor Day. And I can't. And it's all from the closet and now it's in the living room. So I don't know how much I really accomplished because it's still in my house. But it's definitely a lot of extra stuff. Hey, one word of advice on that, Lindsay. Make sure you steal all the socks you can because Mizuno socks are really good. And I haven't ever seen them. Doors, so steal the socks. Everything else can go. That socks are still. Okay, used. I might have to go back to Anaheim and go in the room and just steal a couple other things. Hey, one more. Jamie question. will probably let me in there. One more question about your future and, and the boutique. Where did your your love of fashion come from? And I'm not sure we covered this before, but uh, where did that come from? You've always been one of the the best dressers on the team, and someone that has a lot of uh, really beautiful photographs out there as part of your your brand, the Lindsay Bird brand. That's just been as a volleyball player. Where has that come from, and when did you decide that that was going to be part of your future? Um, I don't know. It's hard. Even when I think about it, I don't know exactly that day or even that time period that I fell in love. But I think it had to have started when I left Hawaii to go to Minnesota because. I actually had to start buying normal clothes and wearing clothes. In Hawaii, you wore your surf shorts and your T-shirt, and there was not a lot of fashion going on there. But um, once I got to Minnesota, I think I actually had to start buying buying clothes for all different seasons and looking at them, and I had more of an experience doing that than I have ever had in Hawaii. And from Minnesota, I just kept going to traveling to different countries, to loving New York, to being in L.A. more, and I think it just gradually developed as I traveled more and had to dress up more, and and then obviously in Italy, you have a lot of downtime also, so I'm, you know, in the blogs and the magazines, looking at blogs, and just started to appreciate fashion as a form of art and a, another craft. Volleyball was my craft, and fashion is other people's crafts, and I just kind of got into that, and it became my hobby of just being so... I don't know, infatuated with it. I don't know if that's the word, but yeah, it just developed throughout my travels. Well, Lindsay, good luck making that your full-time career. We wish you the best and certainly thank you for the time you spent here and congratulate you on all the success you had on the national team. Uh, an incredible finish to a wonderful career, two silver medals, certainly something to be incredibly proud of and uh, a part of a legendary volleyball team for the USA women. Thanks very much for coming Thank on with you. Again. Thanks for having me again. All right, Lindsay Berg, now fashionista, no longer a volleyball player, moved on to real life. It's a tough move to go to real life. It's got to be. Even when you're ready, even when your body's ready, like Lindsay's talking about the knees and everything, and even when you – I think you get a little distance from it, at least I did, and I wanted to come back. And I think that uh, – I didn't necessarily want the torture every day. I didn't want to continue to destroy my knees, but I – I enjoyed getting ready. I missed the locker room. I missed the rhythm of playing. And I, I think for everybody that that process is an interesting one to go through. And Lindsay will be going through that now. 
We probably miss your teammates and just the camaraderie that comes with all that and the stories of traveling. It's the other stuff outside of the playing that I think a lot of people miss that experience. Yeah, it's never quite the same anywhere else. It's yeah. never quite the same doing anything else as you do do in sports. And I think that's why sports is so revered. And a lot of people get upset at how revered sports are when it comes to the money that's put into them, either professionally and the earnings of those athletes or on the collegiate level, what those athletes are, are given in the facilities and everything else. But everyone would like, not everyone, many people would like to be a part of that environment, the instant gratification of win or lose. Yep. In business, it's a lot longer process to win or lose. It's not the same as sports. There's not that immediate reward of, yes, we won as a group, no, we lost as a group, or as an individual, depending upon the sport. Uh, good comments there from Lindsay about about her team. I mean, look, she was very uh, direct about saying it was a success. A silver medal is a success, no matter what anyone says. Yeah. Anyone else might say a silver medal is a success. Yes, you lost your last match. You are the second best team in the world. That to me is still a success. And the gold medal or nothing attitude that we have here oh you didn't win a gold medal yeah yeah they're, they're the number two team for goodness sake and what Lindsay said is true they were the best team just yeah. not on that night yep they Look, were the best team getting a medal at an olympics is a big deal i don't care big deal bronze big yeah, deal i don't care what medal it is no we get too used to on here track and field stars and swimmers because you get 15 chances to win one yeah Fifteen shots. You know what? You give me eight events. Yeah, I'll win one or two. Yeah, one shot, one one opportunity, and you have to go through ten events to get to it. Right. Well, it's also too with track and field and swimming. That's an individual sport. You have in volley, you have five other guys on the court with you, plus all the guys who are on the bench. So you could be having. A great match. You just excluded the libero. That's cool. I did? You said five. It'd be six now. It's actually seven players at start. Um, there's seven guys on the court. I will leave this show right I'm now. I'm just giving you grief. Continue on. I will leave this show right now. <laughs> you won't know what to do with yourself. You will take your computer and Now go I don't home. even know what I was saying, Kevin. No, the individual sports are a little bit different when it's just yeah, you. Yeah, because it's just you. And you can you can live or die by yourself. Yeah. In volleyball especially, you have such little control over whether you win or lose. You have more control in basketball whether you win or lose than you do in volleyball. Well, and especially, too, I think Reed was saying that it's the system as well. You could have a bunch of talented athletes on your team, but if you're not all buying into the right system, you're not all on the same page playing well at the same time. I mean, it's just there's so many things that have to go into it. So winning a medal, you should be proud of yourself. Well, the ball has to bounce your way also. True. It there's just has to go your way. Luck involved. Yeah, there's luck in everything. Look, the United States men, when they won the gold in 2008, we've talked about them being the best team, but bottom line is they won two matches in five, 15-13 against Russia. Yep. It's crazy. One ball bounces the other way, and all of a sudden it's 15-13 Russia. And yeah. we're talking about the United States playing maybe for a bronze. Well, in this Olympics, too, they had match point with the ball went their way that way against Russia. Yeah. They had a swing for it. Yep. So always a little bit of luck in, in whatever you're doing. And when four years of work comes down to one moment, 
I can't even imagine the pressure of that. And it's worse than swimming. We're just bashing swimming. Let's get back to crediting <laughs> swimming because swimming, you have that race. Yeah. You have to do your qualifier, but you have to win that yep. qualifier or, or finish fourth or whatever. That, but that's it. You have that one race. You don't have a whole tournament. You can't lose one. It's true. You can't just go seventh in your qualifier and move on to the next round. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, you can't just bomb out of a match, which you can in volleyball on the very first match of pool play, come back and win the next four. Yeah, and you can't not work it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Phil so. and Todd did in 2008, lost their first match and then won the gold. There you go. Can't do that in swimming. Nope. You can't come up last in your first heat because it's yeah. over. Congratulations, you were here, and in 55 seconds, it's now over. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Bottom line. No doubt. Yeah, take that, Lindsey Bird. <laughs> and your silver medal. Yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> oh, man. That sport needs a little criticism, you know? A little critique, a little critical thinking and analysis about what's happening out there, good and bad. No doubt. Look, if you're not being critical about your own performance, us being critical about you... Will hurt if you, a lot more. Yeah. And if you get upset about that, then you're not being critical enough. Hey, I'm telling you, I heard from one of the athletes. Said that, uh, I can't believe you're so negative about what we do. We work so hard. It's sad that I'm negative, meaning. You know what? I've been there. I've worked that hard. I know what it takes. I've been in that seat. Yeah, that's the thing. Is It's not like... It's not like me, me being negative, like, oh, how come you didn't win the gold? Because I haven't been in that situation. You've been there, done that. So I think coming from another athlete, yeah, they may not like to hear it. And done it twice as long. Yeah. Or And then I've analyzed it for another eight years. Yeah. Or let's just say that you're not right with what you're saying. That's fine. They can have a dialogue with you about it. But don't you have to listen to a former athlete who's been at that high level? No, they don't have to listen well, to me. Well, they don't have to, but <laughs> they should. They don't have to listen to me, no, but, but I, and my response was... Suck it? That's what I wonder. Right? <laughs> no, my response was, my job is to analyze and critique the situation, not to cheer. Yeah. I am available to talk anytime. Here is my phone number. Nice. Think I got a call? No. Nope. Interesting. I knew I wouldn't get a call. I'm all for dialogue. Let's talk about it. No, because it's easy to be a keyboard warrior. It's easy to send that note that says, I don't like what you said. Like all the volley trolls you hate? It's harder to defend your position. You may not like it. You may not like it. You may not like what I say on this show. Just point out where I'm wrong. We can talk about that. You can not like it all you want. That's not going to do anything. But if you point out where I am mistaken, then we can talk about it. Because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Fine. Yeah. No if the results bear out that I am incorrect, fine. If I'm incorrect about the sport of beach volleyball and its lack of financial viability, in three years, you could tell me about it. And I will stand up here on this show. Goodness sakes, will we still be here in three years? I will, I will be here on this show and I will say I was wrong. Somebody made it work. Here's the person who made it work. Let's talk to them. And they will be on the show. They will be on the show. Yep. That's, that's what this show is for. Not just for me to get up here and shout, although it turns into that sometimes. Good times. But this sport needs critical analysis of what's happening. And I'm sorry, volleyball players, coaches, club operators, administrators, USA Volleyball. You know what comes with increased attention and increased dollars? Increased scrutiny. Yep. 
and honesty about the situation, stuff that's working, stuff that's not working, questions about that. If you want to operate in the bubble where everything you do is right and nobody questions you, then go back to obscurity. But I don't think that's the goal for anybody involved in any of the stuff we talk about, indoor, outdoor, college, sand. Oh, I look at it, too, that on this show, we're not just being critical to be critical or say things just to get a reaction like some radio shows Sometimes we do. do. Well, you do. Sometimes we just say stuff to be funny. Well, that, and that's the difference. You know what I'm saying? But we're not being critical of Jose Cuervo, the AVP, or the NVL just because we can. I look at it as we I, we all want volleyball, whether it's beach or indoor, to be better. I want volleyball to be better, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Period. Yep. And everybody's a, a part of that equation. Mm-hmm. That's why the infighting bothers me. That's why the lack of honesty when it comes to some of the infighting bothers me. I'm fine with having an argument. Yeah. Take the dishonesty out of it, please. And not even an argument. It can be just a discussion. We don't need to argue. It can be an absolute disagreement about the the future of the sport. Mm-hmm. Fine. But don't come at it with a whole bunch of, A, just emotion, not backed by any facts. Yeah. And B, absolute untruths. Well, let me ask you this question. I mean, Donald brought it up a little bit about, you know, putting players out there in WWE outfits. Yes. Um, Do it. As a player... You know, let's say we put some responsibility on you to help grow the sport. What, what would you think you would have to do to grow the sport of beach? Just to help beach, to help to help your brand. Yeah, let's just say beach. Let's go with beach. That's kind of been the point on here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where you go. And I don't know that anybody else does. I think one of the biggest changes that you're already seeing, and you you heard Brooke. Niles mentioned it today, is USA Volleyball's involvement. They basically have a national team system. I think that's good. Yeah. I think that's a positive step. USA Volleyball having a national team system where you have players that get paid year-round to be beach volleyball players because the prize money isn't there to support them. It can't be that you play six months on the Miller Lite AVP Tour and you made $160,000 in prize money and another 100 in sponsorship dollars, plus you had basically no expenses for the entire summer. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And you heard Brooke Niles say that, too, because she said, look, I saved my money for three years in the AVP, and that's funded my FIVB adventure. People can't do that anymore. Funded herself. She funded herself, and she shouldn't have to do that. You should be able to save that money and have money dedicated towards this year from sponsors, right? That shouldn't even happen. But she had that opportunity, and others don't. Yeah. So I think what USA Volleyball is doing is a step in the right direction given the circumstances. There's Beach is basically where indoor was in 1997 when I joined the national team. I got 1200 bucks a month. That was after my $50 a week that I got for for eight weeks. By the way, still practicing five hours a day and being a part of the team. 50 bucks a week. Yeah. Yeah, I had room and board, but I was in freaking Colorado, guys. Well, I like to hear that Brooke was saying that she has access to like massage therapists and things like that because as a pro athlete, when you're working that hard all the time, that's mm-hmm. part of the training as well. You're not doing it like, oh, I'm going to go have a spa day. You're doing it so you don't break something. It takes a village, of course, right? It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a tremendous amount of support staff to make a professional athlete. Any athlete who stands out there and says, I did this on my own, is delusional. You did not do it on your own. Your parents probably paid your insurance out of college. Somebody probably gave you extra money in college because the scholarship wasn't enough. Rare is the case that somebody did it on their own. Someone volunteered time to work on you. The university gave people money to work on you. USA Volleyball paid for a trip if you're a volleyball athlete. 
it's not just you. Even if you're a tennis athlete or a swimmer, it's not just you. No. I know it's easy to get confused because you go out there and you swim and you win the gold medal and they shoot pictures of you. I understand. But to not recognize that it takes a whole bunch of other people to make that athlete happen is delusional. Correct. And I don't think we're talking about anybody that said that, but that type of thinking. You can't Correct. think that way. Yeah. I just think the more – I mean, in pro beach volleyball, the players are very accessible to the fans. They are. Which helps. Um but I think there needs to be some fan education that if the fans don't support, and by support I mean somehow financially support these tours, they're not going to be around. But you've got to give them a reason to buy in. And I, I think that the wrestling idea, while absurd on its face, has some validity. You've got to be interesting. Well, if somebody rips the net down once in a while, that's interesting. Not typic- not really all that mature, yeah. but interesting. Well, I talked to a few players last off season and asked them about what they were going to do this year, like differently. And a lot of them were saying how because, you know, you don't know what the tours are going to be like. I'm just going to go out there. You know, you have to be animated and play and cause a ruckus, not necessarily disrespectful to the other people, but put on a little bit of a show. Yes. Said players did not do that this year. It's hard to do. It is hard to do. It's hard to do. Yep. Thanks to Donald Sun. Thanks to Brooke Niles. Big thanks to Lindsey Berg, all for coming on the program. Of course, Mike Sondheimer and Brandon Rosenthal for being part of the College Volleyball Weekly. And Volleyball Magazine, Spire Institute, and the American Volleyball Coaches Association for supporting this show. And, of course, Hurley. We still have some shirts. We're going to start clearing them out here. We're going to have a sale soon, aren't we? Yeah. I think there's a sale coming up on those shirts. But we want to clear them out. So buy one for your friends. Christmas is coming up. Buy one for your relatives. They are quality shirts. That's why I wear them all the time. I like promo my own brand, but I just plain like the shirt. So those are available at valaclothing.com, V-A-L-A, clothing.com. Get on there and order them up. Remember, you are supporting this show. We're not so much funding DJ Rocher's Rockstar Lifestyle (laughs) as we are just paying for some equipment to make this show possible that we know you all out there enjoy. Shouldn't the show be making money now that I'm not? Geeter's not around and not getting parking tickets, and I don't get parking tickets, so... You are able to read street signs. Good for you. Thanks to all those sponsors. Thanks to our guests. We will be back next Monday. At least DJ Roche and myself will be here, and the kids will be at school. So we hope you're having a good end of the summer and a beginning to the fall. We hope you make it out to Santa Barbara this weekend for the last little bit of volleyball action if you're not catching college. For DJ Roche, I'm Kevin Barnett. We'll see you next week on The Net Live.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.